Greetings in the name of Jesus. We've been blessed as we've been together here today, and, and it's we've been blessed as we've been back here for the last ten days or so. We hope to see many more yet here, and it's it's good it is good to be here with 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 all of you. It is a blessing indeed. I've been. Uh, preaching through the book of 1 Peter and uh, I don't intend to get that done while our, we're planning to be in Minnesota unless there's going to be a lot of other things happening that are not uh, according to our plan but I'd like to look at some of the some of the things about 1 Peter and uh, some of the truths that 1 Peter shares with the church. And I'd like to begin with 1 Peter chapter 1. We're not going to get very far today. Before I do that though, uh, children, I'd like for you to pay attention especially. I may have done this here before, but you know, there's, there's, there's a very important thing and that I find that today, where we're living today, it's not something that's really done that well anymore. Some people may think it's old-fashioned. And that is greeting somebody. Now, you get into certain groups of people that's still very important. You meet somebody and you have to greet this individual. And if you don't, then that person has a thinks, oh my, what's the matter with him? Does he think that I'm not worth anything? Am I not important? Didn't he see me? Doesn't he care about me? Who does he think I am? Who does he think he is? And I'd like to give you some examples. How would you like it if you would come to our house and I wouldn't say, you'd knock on the door, I wouldn't say, come in. I wouldn't come to the door and open it up and say, come on in, welcome. I might just sit inside and yeah, make just some kind of grunt. Find your way in here if you want to. And you'd come in here and You'd say hello, and I just, mm. and it's not that I couldn't talk. I just went about doing whatever I was doing. I wouldn't pay attention to you. You'd start thinking, "What's wrong with Pete? Something's the matter. Doesn't he want me here? Doesn't he like me? Am I intruding? You wouldn't feel very welcome, would you?" How would you like it if after church and you were a visitor here, nobody talked to you? They'd all just look at you and they'd go and they just let you be alone. Would you want to come back? Probably not. Because by by greeting somebody, we we show that that we welcome them. 
okay by greeting somebody we show that they are important that we see them we recognize them we may not even know who they are but they are important very important by greeting somebody we show that we are courteous we're kind we think about others we're just we don't just look after ourselves now I wonder there's two groups of people I want to talk a little bit about today before we get to first Peter two groups of my friends I have some friends they live in northern British Columbia we call them the Maccabee people they come originally from Russia and one thing that's very important in their church service they have long church services in Russian language of course they translate when I'm there so I can understand and they have five preachers who preach now they don't preach as long uh, uh, as what when we preach each but, uh, but they have five preachers that preach on a Sunday morning and in between you will have songs and you will stand up to pray and you have all those things but one very important thing of their service at the end of the service is does anybody have greetings and so if somebody has been traveling somewhere and has come home they say yes I was in such and such a place last week and the church there sends greetings to us or I saw so and so from or I talked to so and so on the phone and he or she sends greetings to us well is anybody planning to go somewhere else yes we are planning to go so there then this, uh, should we give then send greetings from us to them you say well why is that important you have to remember something during the time when these people lived in Russia it was under communism and the church was persecuted the people in the church had a very difficult time because the other people did not like them and so when they could get greetings from others or give greetings to others that was a sense of support we remember each other now, I don't know children if you've done this but to me it's always special this happens when let's say somebody comes to me and says oh by the way brother Pete I saw so and so and he sends greetings to you ah he thinks about me oh yes you know, that, that does something to me and so greetings are a way of showing interest support we remember each other and we pass on greetings to other people greetings is also another important thing I go to Liberia every every year I guess this year I'm not planning to but when when you get to Liberia oh and you meet a person on the street that especially a person that you know or barely know you don't just walk by that's rude 
That is very unkind. That is very rude. You do not do that. And so if you want to go uptown somewhere, if you want to go into town or you want to go for a walk, plan on that. It's always going to take a long time because you're going to meet people everywhere that, that you're going to meet. And so you're going to have to talk to them. And when you meet people in Liberia, it's, it's an occasion, okay? It becomes an event. You don't just say, hi, and walk away. Okay, what's the matter with him? Is he sick? Doesn't he feel good? No. You stop. You say hello. You shake hands, and it's a long handshake. I can show it to you afterwards what it's like. It's a, it's an important. It, it, the handshake must be there, and then you ask one of the first questions you ask: How's your family? You say, What does he care about my family? He doesn't even know if I have a family. But that's an important thing to ask because the family is important to me, and so then I ask about what's important to me, what's important to him. And so you ask these questions. Or did you eat rice today? No, I have potatoes. No, because in Liberia, rice is something you eat every day. And if you did not eat rice, you haven't eaten. You may have had all kinds of other junk food already during the day, but you did not have a meal if you didn't have rice. And so you ask, did you eat rice today? And so you stop and you talk. How, is, how are you doing? How is your health? Are you fine? Did you sleep well? If it's in the morning. You, know, you ask these questions. And you chat with each other. And then finally you say, okay, I need to be going. Well, guess what? Five steps down the road, you have to probably do the same thing all over with the next person. But that's part, that's part of being respectful, of being kind, of being considerate, of recognizing people in Liberia. So if you want to be busy, then don't go to Liberia, because in Liberia you have to take time. Because there's people that want to say more than just hello. So greetings are important. So children, uh, young people, it, it's okay. You know, people may think, well, he or she is weird greeting people. You know, it does. It says greeting somebody else says something about you. It's actually good salesmanship. Uh, if I if I want to go buy a vehicle and I go and I sh go around on the lot uh, looking at vehicles, uh, that salesperson is definitely going to do his best to try to you know to be presentable and and try to get my attention. You know, and if we recognize other people, we actually show them the character of Christ that is in us. It is important. If we ignore people, that probably says something about our level of Christ-likeness. It does. Well, First Peter chapter 1. Children, after church you come see me. I'll show you what the handshake is like. And uh, I might even... Ha yes, I do have something for you. First Peter chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, 
through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ grace unto you and peace be multiplied Peter's writing this letter now we know some things about Peter from the Bible probably the most well known of the disciples rather impulsive very talkative usually would open his mouth stick both feet in get himself into trouble say things that later on probably he regretted very loyal yes he's the one who denied Christ and grieved about it deeply repented and was restored that's the kind of disciple he was he was a leader in the early church of Jerusalem one of the first to introduce Jesus Christ to Gentile Christians to Gentiles who became Christians very zealous a motivator an organizer and yeah he had the privilege of escaping from prison let out by an angel in Acts chapter 12 he was an apostle and he calls himself that an apostle is someone who is sent out with a message he sent out with the authority of those that sent him with the message that he carries apostles were ones who were witnesses of Christ's death and resurrection and Peter was, was, a, was that one of the foundation leaders and here we have Peter who is obeying two commands that Jesus gave to him Jesus said in Luke 22:32, when thou art converted he said this to Peter particularly feed strengthen thy brothers he said and that's why Peter's writing this letter to strengthen the brothers and after Peter was restored Jesus said to him three times feed my lambs feed my sheep and that's what he's doing so Peter is obeying the commands that Jesus gave to him directly, personally. As you read through the letter of 1 Peter, which is written to a scattering of Christians, you will see there's, there's the, the foundation, the element underneath there is that these people are suffering. They are in trouble. They're suffering because they are Christians. Now most generally in, in our society today, we, we, we don't have a lot of that happening around us. In our world today, there's a lot of that happening. There's many brothers and sisters in Christ today <coughs> that are suffering because they are Christians. And it behooves us to remember these. There's many, many, many Christians today that have to meet in secret if they meet. Because if they are discovered, they will be tortured. They may be killed. There's a lot of people like that in different places of the world. And this, this has always been as long 
Since Jesus went to heaven, this has always been somewhere. And Peter is writing to Christians at the time when he was living, and I believe he's writing to Christians today. And even we who live in a place where we don't have a lot of physical persecution, but there are still trials, suffering for the sake of Christ, they are there. And he is giving us encouragement to be victorious. Even though you're going through difficult times. Because the world around us is hostile. It's a difficult place. It's getting tougher. And I don't think that we, in the society in which we live, can expect that it's going to get easier. In fact, I know it's not. In certain ways, things, things are becoming more difficult. And Peter, this apostle, is writing. And now he talks about who he's writing to. He says, strangers. Strangers are scattered through different places in Asia Minor, which today is mostly the country of Turkey. And really when Peter refers to these strangers, he's talking about aliens, foreigners, pilgrims. I guess that's what Joanne and I are now. Not at home. In that different place. But really as children of God, we're all that. We're all that. He's addressing these strangers, these foreigners, and they are foreigners because, first of all, they belong to God. And when you belong to God, when you're a child of God, then heaven is your home and no other place is your home. And so wherever you live here, you're still not at home. So don't act as if you are here at home. Our Sunday school lesson talked a bit about that. The second reason that we're also considered foreigners is because we're strangers to the values and to the lifestyles and to the views of the world around us. We really don't belong. We think different. We act different. Because we are different. We better be. Otherwise, what's the purpose of being a Christian? We're not even very comfortable here. Because, you know, when you are a stranger, you act different than when you are at home. If I'd come to your, if you invite me to your house, and you, sometimes people say, well, just be at home. I says, oh, no, no, you don't want me to be at home. Because when I'm at home, I go through any cupboard that's around. I open any drawer I wish. Uh, you would feel very uncomfortable if I came to your house and you said, act at home. And I would do that at your place. I don't think you'd want to have Pete over very often. But he's talking to these strangers that are scattered throughout these places. Scattered because they've been persecuted. 
And so these strangers, these Christians, are living among unsaved people, probably in places where they had not been living before. Many of these people were probably Gentile Christians. They had little understanding of the Old Testament earlier. Probably more Greek in culture than Hebrew. And yet they lived, that whole society in which they lived was based on the, the large household family. Where the householder owned the, the property and he had not only his children and grandchildren there, but probably many household slaves. And a lot of people were slaves. They actually sold themselves to be slaves because they, they had debt to clear up. And actually slavery was, although slaves weren't always treated very nice because they were owned by the, by the owner, but one thing that slaves did, a, a slave owner had to take care of his slaves. Sometimes it was easier to be a slave than to be an employee. Because as long as a slave owner owned you, he had an obligation to at least meet your needs. The problem was if you were a Christian slave and your owner was not a Christian. In fact, in the known world of that day, about a third of the people were slaves. And some other things that were that were prevalent of that time. There were a lot of violent games done for pleasure. The stadiums and the, uh, the, the galleries and all that gladiator things, all, all that, that was prominent of that era. There was a lot of mercy killing and abortions, very common. Immorality, very common, similar to the lifestyles of today. And yet there were many gods along with the emperor worship. So, to be a Christian in that time was difficult. And Paul, Peter writes to them, to all these people that are scattered through all these places. As if Peter would be writing to the Christians that are scattered through the whole world today. And he says, he, he talks about them. And he says there's three things that every Christian has. Three identifying marks. First of all, he's elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. He's chosen by God. If you are a Christian this morning, you are not a Christian simply because you chose to be one. Yes, there is man's will. But you are a Christian because God called you. Jesus said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said, He says, My Spirit calls people. He says, I have chosen you. 
He says, and we have been elect. There, this, I do not understand all this, this teaching and understanding uh, uh, all of the about election. But to become a Christian is not just a man-made process. It is not. God calls. God chooses. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Now God knows everything. Really, the Bible uses the word foreknowledge here. Does God really have foreknowledge when God is always present when God always is I'm not questioning the word foreknowledge because God is timeless right so God always has knowledge uh, God all, yeah because God there's never been a time when God didn't. <laughs> there never will be a time when God didn't because God, God is eternal. But according to our way of understanding God in the, in the elements and the timeline of time, we have been elect, Christians have been elect according to knowledge that God has had before we were involved. But God knows everything. He remembers everything. Because he knows everything and everyone, he also knows those who will respond to his call. Not only to accept Christ, but to walk with Christ. We read in Romans chapter 8, Scripture says, verse 28 to 30, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose okay for whom he did foreknow he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren if you are a child of God if you are born again God already knew and God already made plans that you would be shaped into the image of Jesus Christ. God has that as a purpose, as a focus for every Christian. Verse 30, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. There is a God has a plan. And then going over to verse 33. Who then can lay anything to the charge of God's elect? In Romans chapter 11 verse 2. God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. So God who knows everything is the one who chooses. Jesus said in Matthew 22 
Many are called, but few are chosen or called out. So no one comes to God without God's drawing or without God's calling. Salvation definitely is God's plan, not our own, but it involves man's choices and man's will. Definitely. And so Christians are called those that are according to God's elect. Do I understand all this? No. Because if I did, then I would not be Pete and God would not be God. Man would not be man. There is this element of faith that we just accept things the way God says. Even though we don't know the entire pattern. God, who knows everything, has sufficient reason to select those who become Christians. He makes the first move. He wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This idea of an unconditional election, no. God wants all people to be saved. But he also understands and he knows, he foreknows those who will choose. And so he calls these the elect. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God. So Christians are identified by being chosen. You know, that's, that's a tremendous blessing. I know when I was still in elementary school, our teacher did this horrible thing, our teachers. And when we choose ball team players, the teacher would say, you're a captain, you're a captain. And then, as you say, okay, now you start, you pick first. Well, we knew, we knew pretty well in what order everybody would be picked. Why they always had to go through this, I don't know. Because we already could tell exactly who would get picked first, second, third, fourth, and I knew where, which order I would get picked too. And it was not first. Don't you like sometimes to be, to be chosen? I'm so glad that Joanne chose me. <laughs> really? That actually makes me, I think, pretty special. <laughs> the fact that God chose you makes you significant, makes you important, makes you valuable, makes you special. That the God of heaven who knows everyone and everything says, I want you to be my child. Yes, he wants everybody. He does. But I want you. So an identifying mark of a Christian, he's chosen. Secondly, an identifying mark of a Christian is that he is sanctified through the Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. Those that are born again are elected, they're chosen, they're indwelt because they have by the Holy Spirit who lives in them. 
Now that word sanctified means that they're dedicated to something and set apart. When God chose you to be a Christian, if you're a child of God and God chose you to be a Christian, he, had, he did this by setting you apart. Not only by saying you are special, but I'm going to make you special. And I am going to have my spirit, God's spirit, in you. You will be a different person. You will be dedicated to a particular purpose, to a particular cause. So every Christian is special because God chose. And every Christian is special because they have God's spirit living in them. And so, the Christian is different than other people. Not only are we supposed to act different, but we are. And if you don't act different, then my question is, are you? And if you are different, then you must act different. That must be a progression that happens in our lives. We are set apart. We're dedicated. Because we have, God, we have the presence of God in our lives. When the presence of God is in your life, you can't do godless things. You can't have godless interests. Because you are set apart, you're dedicated to Holy Spirit activity. That's like you don't take a clean water bucket and use it for slop. Because the clean water bucket has been dedicated, has been sanctified for that cause. James tells us, Hearken, my dearly beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 tells us, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you... That you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're, that's what we're dedicated to do because we have God's spirit in us. Which in time past were not this kind of people. But now we are the people of God. Time past we had not obtained mercy. But now we have. Because we've been sanctified, dedicated, set apart by an indwelling Holy Spirit. So the Christian of God is chosen. He's sanctified. And thirdly, he's cleansed. Unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we have the, the Trinity working here. God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and Christ. Unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. 
unto obedience. Salvation is not just the purpose of getting out of hell eventually, but salvation has a purpose of having a distinct, separate walk with God, of being a disciple, of having a heart change and then progressing in that walk with the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 through 6 Paul writes and he says According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world Why? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ To himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. We could go on and on. And so God chose you, the Holy Spirit sanctified you and me, that we should be holy, blameless, for the praise of God's glory. Jesus said in John 15:16, "Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, dedicated you, set you apart that you should go and bring forth fruit." That your Christian life should be productive. That your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And so the cleansing of our hearts is to produce a holy life. Jesus also said in John 15:9, I have chosen you out of this world, therefore the world hateth you. And so it is natural, it is, it is common sense, we could say, that if God has chosen you, and the Holy Spirit has sanctified you, and Jesus has cleansed you, uh, that you won't be liked. You won't be understood. And Peter says to these strangers who have these have had these experiences or have this experience he says grace unto you and peace be multiplied now multiplication those are children you've gone to school multiplication is rapid addition right so he's you know sometimes it takes long to add numbers but you can get sometimes you get the same answer by just multiplying. Let's say I would say three times ten, which is thirty. Yeah, but if I would add three ten times and always add them, it takes a lot longer adding than multiplying. And Peter writes and he says, I wish to each of you that grace, God's gift, undeserved gift, that you're going to have lots of it. 
grace to live the Christian life, grace to bear the difficulties, and that you will have peace, peace in your heart because you've accepted God's grace. Peace in your heart even though things around you are not going very well necessarily. So as we close this morning, just a few questions. Are we strangers? Not not among children of God, no. But in the world, are we strangers? If you are a child of God, are you rejoicing in your election? Uh, you can't be proud because God did the choosing. <laughs> he started it. Yes, you responded. But you have to remember who started. If you are a Christian, are you enjoying the residency of God's Spirit in you? That He lives there. He's not just a visitor, but He lives there. If you're a Christian, are you obedient because Christ has cleansed you by his blood? Is there an exterior holiness because there's an interior holiness? Is there a progression in this sanctification of being more and more obedient and more and more holy and more and more cleansed? and more and more because of the work of Christ in your life producing holy fruit and thereby misunderstood and maybe even hated by the world if you are a stranger elect sanctified obedient cleansed I too wish you a multiplication of God's grace and peace.